in no small uh, order, uh, helpful helping us get those ratings is the following guest here, yes. a, a statesman from, from Long Island, former Congressman Peter King, great guy, a smart guy, a colleague of ours here on 77 WABC. Let's bring him in right now. Good morning, Congressman King. Good morning, good morning, Bernie. Always great to hear your voice. And uh, you and Sid, you're right that you guys are the number one show. I'm proud to be a small part of it. And you guys are terrific. And again, I'm, you know, most people are probably tired of hearing me say this. Everywhere I go, people ask me, how's Bernie and Sid? How are they? What are they really like? And I say, well, Bernie's really a nice guy. <laughs> That's funny. Nice. Now, you know, funny about that, Peter, is that I used to get that question all the time. I mean this about yeah. Imus and Mike Francesa. They're like, how is Imus in real life? How is Francesa in real life? So it's kind of surreal that all these years later, Bernie and Sid are number one in New York. And we're getting the same questions. You're getting the same questions I got for years about those types of guys. No, I, I tell you, the program goes over so well because whether people agree or disagree on every issue, they know where you're coming from. They uh, they share your backgrounds of you know working class people, hardworking people, people who don't take any BS, and they love the show. I mean, they probably agree with you 90% of the time, but even when they don't, they understand where you're coming from and they appreciate your honesty and your directness. So Thank just you. you know, just keep it going. That's all. Thank you. Thank I you. like what I hear, Congressman. We are New York. That's what we are. New York, yeah. the unvarnished truth. The truth with an F at the end. Listen, Congressman <laughs> King, uh, last uh, we'll get to uh, the Ukraine in a bit. Uh, if you don't mind, we'll start with uh, the State of the Union speech yeah. last night. Uh, Joe Biden, uh, a lot of times he seemed to be, uh, well, he, he dropped out of the race in uh, 88, the presidential race, because of plagiarism. Last night he seemed to be plagiarizing Donald Trump's America First movement, you know, talking about funding police, make it in America, secure the border, ironically. I mean, ironically. Uh, uh, insultingly, he actually said that uh, last night. Your thoughts on uh, Biden's State of the Union speech last night? Yeah, I thought it was really weak and ineffective. And I'm saying that not even as a Republican or as a conservative, but to me, he made no point that he should have made. There was nobody listening to that speech afterwards who was among you know, the 55 percent who was saying he's doing a bad job is going to say, God, I was wrong. This guy's really a good president. There was nothing he said that would justify his presidency. Uh, and again, you're right. The only time he had any good applause lines is when he stole them from Donald Trump. And the whole thing with the police really did bother me. I heard you guys talking about it before. Yeah. But when he used the two police officers who were murdered in New York and somehow used them as an entree to him going in talking about what a strong supporter of the cops he is. Listen, listen the whole Democratic campaign in 2020 was based on defunding the cops. I mean, what was going on in the streets of New York and uh, Washington, D.C. and Seattle, Portland, all of that was an absolute disgrace. And the only thing I really recall, the only person who had a real strong position was Kamala Harris, who was going to bail out <laughs> uh, the ones who were locked exactly. out. And also, I mean, he came to New York. He didn't go to the funeral. Somebody listening to that would have thought he was at the funeral. That's right. And as you said before, if there's such a thing as a uh, dramatic moment from those funerals, and the funerals were absolutely majestic, but the dramatic point was uh, when the widow blasted D.A. Bragg, for uh, you know, cutting people loose, for not refusing prosecute. That was the most dramatic moment of all. And he didn't say a word about bail reform, about cutting them loose, yeah. about the horrible job the prosecutors are doing, or about the fact that you know, 75% of the victims in these shooting cases are African-Americans, the people that the riots of 2020 were supposed to be protecting. So, no, when it came to the cops, he was absolutely useless. As far as the economy, I didn't know where he was. He was going all over the place. All this about buy America, buy America. Well, you know, when Donald Trump said buy America, when Donald Trump said America first, he said he was a fascist. 
know, Joe Biden now is sort of wrapping himself in the Trump mantle, but doing absolutely nothing to back it up. It was just all in all, in all a very weak, weak performance. Uh, could not said it better. Uh, just perfect there, Peter. And he, like you said, he lied. He, you know, again, he showed up on a Thursday when Morris' funeral was a day before Wednesday. He could have been there for that. And yes, Rivera's wife, I mentioned the same thing last hour. She came out and said the system failed us. That system is put in place by Joe Biden on a national level. Do want to ask you, though, about what the pregame talk was about and whether you think it was realistic to use it last night. A lot of the pregame guys are talking about, hey, Biden should come out tonight and apologize. Just apologize. Say, listen, I got it wrong. You know, I, uh, I'm i sorry about inflation. I'm sorry about the uh, supply chain thing. I should have done a better job on the border. Now, when I was listening to it, I said to myself, come on, you really expect the president of the United States to come out and talk to the world and say, I'm sorry. But then it started to resonate with me. Like, you know what? Maybe if he said that and said, here's our chance to reset and spend the next three years working together, it made a little bit of sense. What are your thoughts on folks saying he should have apologized last night instead of taking credit for nothing? Well, he should have, but he couldn't possibly because that's the base of the Democratic Party. I mean, when you look at both the economy and foreign policy, one of the key, not just mistakes, but disastrous mistakes, was the uh, shutting down the pipeline, doing all he can to frustrate uh, drilling for oil and energy, uh, you know, we were an energy exporter, and now we're energy dependent. We are subsidizing the war in uh, Ukraine by you know, subsidizing the Russian economy and the Russian uh, military by all the barrels of oil we're buying from Russia. But that it goes right to the heart. That is what AOC stood for. That is the first, as far as I recall, the first thing he did as president was to shut down the pipeline. And that is a main cause of inflation. That is a main cause why Russia was able to be aggressive. But it wasn't just a mistake. It was something he intentionally did. I mean, that's what they wanted him to do. Listen, you can always make a mistake on a policy. But this was done with malice of forethought. They had to know what this was going to do to the American economy, to the American worker. But it's a sacrifice they're willing to make to satisfy their dream and John Kerry's dream of all this climate change control and everything else. So, yeah, if he was being honest, if he was being a real president, he would have said, hey, listen, this was a noble venture, but this isn't the time for it. We can't afford it right now, and we're going to reverse course. But, no, he can't say that because, uh, again, his, he doesn't have the guts to stand up to the progressive left wing of his party. To somebody like uh, a, a really uh, an intellectual lightweight like AOC, he is afraid of her. And it really is, I don't know, it's a real sad state of affairs when uh, the, the commander-in-chief is afraid of a, a Queens congresswoman who was a bartender like three years ago. But, Congressman King... Let us segue to uh, the Ukraine situation, Russia invading. I was talking to Sid about it early on. Uh, look, they're putting up a valiant fight. Uh, this guy Zelensky has showed uh, you know, great courage, resiliency, and he's galvanized really world opinion to uh, support Ukraine. Uh, you know, Pro-Ukraine uh, uh, sentiment is out there all over the place. Nobody is down with Putin, nor should they be. But my question is this. Uh, are we giving the Ukrainians false hope? I mean, inevitably, they're going to lose to uh, Putin because of uh, sheer numbers and equipment, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, what do you think we should be doing? I mean, we'll get, we're sending them stingers. We're sending them javelin uh, missiles. What do you think we should be doing? Or should we be trying to facilitate some sort of peace before too many people die? 
I don't know if you can facilitate peace. I, that, I think, is what Zelensky believes, that any agreement with Russia would just be a, uh, a sugar coating that within weeks and months when uh, the eyes of the world are somewhere else and everyone's congratulating themselves on the peace agreement that was worked out, that Russia would just be clamping down more, more than ever before. So I think, that was, I, I think uh, Zelensky believes if he could get a deal that was honorable, a deal where uh, Russia could be trusted, where there could be people there to enforce it, I think he would take it. I think he's uh, enough of a patriot to realize that you can't fight to the last man if it's uh, not going to achieve anything. But I think in this case, he believes there's no way you can trust Putin. And yeah, everyone is supporting uh, the uh, Ukrainians now. But once you know the lights go out, once uh, there's a big peace agreement signed six months or a year from now, I think Putin will be more of a, 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 a brutalitarian than ever before. I think that's what Zelensky sees now. Uh, you know, you don't want to be playing politics with other people's lives. I think the worst thing that could happen to Russia, though, would be if they do win, whatever that means in Ukraine. There's no way they can occupy that country. They would have to double or triple the number of troops they have there now. It would bankrupt their economy, and the Ukrainians will never give up. They will be killing Russian soldiers for as long as uh, soldiers are there. So this, this is really no win. It's, there's no win at all possible here for Putin. It's unfortunate that so many innocent, hardworking patriotic Ukrainians may die in the meantime. I think we have to flood them with all the weapons they could possibly use and also send the word that we will support them underground, do whatever we have to do to keep a resistance movement uh, against the uh, Russians at all levels. But in the end, it's up to Zelensky. He's the elected official. He's the one deciding. I don't think we should be saying, hey, we're going to hold the coats and you guys fight. If Zelensky honestly believes that there is an opportunity for an agreement, yeah, we should support him. I mean, it's easy for, you know, you know, for us to you know, sit in the bar and watch two guys fight on television. <laughs> then that's just, to me, not right. But they're the ones making this decision. I mean, uh, you know, Biden did offer Zelensky the opportunity to get out. And he said yeah, he doesn't need a ride. He needs weapons. So uh, in many ways, it's like, uh, you know, Demopoli, uh, you know, 300 men and three men just standing right. there uh, manning the ramparts against this evil empire. But, uh, no, I agree with you. It's going to be very, very tough. And the fact that he's using cluster bombs, I mean, these are really crimes against humanity that's being carried out right now by Putin. But if the people want to fight and their leader wants to stand there with them and put his life on the line, we shouldn't tell them they can't. But if, if Zelensky should call tomorrow and say, hey, I think I can work out this deal, it's going to protect 70 percent of the country and there's going to be no more executions or murders, then sure, we should support him. But I just don't see... Uh, Putin agreeing to that. I, I do think he's gone over the edge. I'm no psychological expert, but my, uh, to me, the analysis on Putin was he's ruthless, he's bloody, he's, he's, he's totally immoral, but He's not crazy. I think now he's he crazy. Cross that line into a form of insanity. I think you're right, but I think you're also right in that it'll be difficult to occupy even just the Ukraine. So the thought of him moving even more west, you know, Poland, any one of these NATO countries, I think is is uh, silly. I don't think he'll do that. But let's get back to Donald Trump for a second because I've got MSNBC on in the newsroom, Peter, just outside the studios, which you know very well, all morning long. And the scroll I've read all morning, John Bolton was a guest on MSNBC, and Bolton was saying yesterday Donald Trump didn't even know where the Ukraine was. Well, who gives a rat's ass whether that's true or not? The fact is people weren't dying in the streets of Ukraine when President Trump was the president. So now you got the liberal media out there taking shots at Trump 
When, in fact, we know for a fact when he was the president, this wasn't going on. China wasn't flirting with taking over Taiwan. North Korea wasn't firing missiles into the middle of the sea. So, I mean, they, they have to ask John Bolton for something to get at Donald Trump when, in fact, we had world peace. Yeah, well, listen, first of all, John Bolton, I've known John Bolton over the years. He has a personal problem with Donald Trump. That's between the two of them. But no, listen, on, on Ukraine. Ukraine was invaded when Obama was the president. I remember the president of Ukraine, then Karashenko, came to the United States. We met with him. He begged. He begged for defensive weapons. That's all he wanted. He said, we're begging for bullets, and Obama gave us blankets. But Obama would not give them one bullet to defend themselves. When Donald Trump came in, he did give them the anti-tank weapons. He did give them defensive weapons. But should he have given them more? Maybe. But the fact is, Obama gave them nothing. Trump gave them the weapons, and that one inch of Ukrainian soil was lost. When Donald Trump was president, China made no, uh, no moves on Taiwan. There was no aggression against Western interests. And, in fact, we saw in the, middle, in, in the Middle East, you had all these Arab countries moving away from Iran, supporting Israel, standing with the United States. So in every part of the world, if Donald Trump didn't know where he was, he certainly did a good job <laughs> making sure that you know, war didn't mm-hmm. break out and right. that no, not one inch of soil was lost to, to any enemy force. And he also shamed uh, uh, these European countries into paying yeah. their fair share, and he strengthened NATO, which hurt Putin. He also made us energy independent, which hurt yep. Putin, which lowered oil prices, which hurt Putin. I will ask you one last question on the way out to Congressman King. This is a, you know, a, a brass tack, a technical question. The idea of a no-fly zone, a lot of people say, hey, at, at the very least we should do a no-fly zone. I believe that would lead us straight into World War III. What do you think? Yeah, I would love to see a no-fly zone, but in reality, if you start shooting down rushing planes at this time, it is going to be a World War III. I just don't think that can be done at this time, and it should be done. You know, to me, it should not be done, but I, I understand the motive. I understand the inspiration for it, but uh, I also, though, say the inspiration we're getting uh, from the Ukrainians, maybe it's a wake-up call. When you find Sweden and Switzerland and Finland and all these countries yeah, wanting to get no engaged, to me, what, what he has done, what Zelensky has done in uh, Ukraine is more, uh, what he's done in one week is more than Joe Biden has done in 37 years. Peter King, you're a big Bingo. sports fan uh, like I am. I know this uh-huh. is uh, pretty silly comparing it to Ukraine, Russia, or that speech last night, but we're both diehard Met fans. Baseball had an opportunity yesterday. They did not get it done. I don't want to hear from billionaire owners, millionaire players. I'm sick of it. I want to watch Max Scherzer pitch in Queens, but at this point, I'm getting nauseous from these guys. What about you? Yeah, really heartbroken. In fact, my son had arranged we had tickets to the Braves game on April 5th. Uh, and, you know, he's getting much older. I'm getting much older. But one thing that binds generations together is a baseball game. Yep. And the thought of the Chovers being in a game, watching the Mets and the Braves, we were you know, really looking forward to it. And with everything that's going in the world, you're right. That would have been our sanctuary. That would have been our uh, oasis away from the war and from all the trouble going on and from Joe Biden and inflation and everything else. No, and again, it is, you, know, you can say what you want about the NFL, the NBA, all that. No sport to me brings families together the way baseball does. It, it really spans generations. So, no, get out there and play. I mean, it's hard to feel sorry. You know, some guys out there, you know, living on $10 an hour, and these right. guys are making, you know, $10,000 <laughs> really? a game. Right, $10,000 you know, a pitch. Yeah. It's a bad look. It is bad. Peter, uh, as always, not, not a good appearance, a great appearance. We love you. And as we celebrate our number one Nielsen ratings in New York today, as you, you said, you're a, a small part of it. You're not. You're a major part of it. So thank you so much for hopping on today and all the work you do every week on Bernie and Sid. Thank you, Sid. And Bernie, keep punching. You sound better than ever.
You're a kind gentleman, as, as kind as you are a great statesman. Congressman Peter King on the Bernie and Sid Show, we thank you very, very much. If you've had an accident, trust Gabo Law, personal injury and medical malpractice attorneys with decades of experience who will provide the attention you deserve and deliver the best possible results in the shortest amount of time. Gabo Law has recovered millions for their clients and will be able to help you. But don't take our word for it. Read all of their five-star reviews from former clients on Google, Avo, and Facebook. Call Gabo Law today at 800-560-0214 for a free consultation or email at Info at GaboLaw.com. Gabo Law, where winning is no accident.